church, as we uh, get into this word here today called revival. Um, this week, we, I was originally um, going to start a, a series this morning leading up to Easter because we're getting very close, right? We're in the season of Lent and um, we're just moving right along in the springtime and it's 70 degrees outside, which is kind of confusing as well as far as what, what month are we in. But um, this week, I just kept coming back um, to this idea, especially later in the week, so we changed a few things up. Um, so we're actually going to be talking about revival and today um, and just asking the Lord and to show us, to lead us and to reveal himself um, to us. This last week, um, I was originally um, looking for a, for a book called Forgotten God by a guy named Francis Chan. Has anybody ever read this book? It's a good one, you know, um, and, and I can't find it. So if I loaned it to you and didn't get it back... There's no judgment here. No, there's no, just kidding. I, I'm more than, I just lost the book. Y'all, y'all ever lose stuff in your house? I don't know. Your house might be more organized than mine. But after the third room, I was like, you know what? Let's buy another one for $9 on Amazon. So here it is. But um, this Wednesday night, we're going to be, we're going to be getting to this one. But I was actually going to, looking for a couple of quotes out of this book um, that I was going to use in the sermon today, but I couldn't find it. So I ordered it and it came in the mail yesterday. But while I was looking for this book called Forgotten God by Francis Chan, um, I ran into another book that somebody had given me. If you gave me this book, I apologize for not reading it before, but I promise I am thankful. Um, it's called The Asbury Revival, When God Uses Students to Wake a Nation. And I think Mike Rainey must have given it to me because there's flyers in here for a rally at the Briar Patch Barn. <laughs> hope, hope I made it. But um, Anyway, y'all didn't even know I had the book. If you ever find something that's been a while since you've even seen it there. So um, as I got this one, I was getting ready for a sermon and ended up changing some things up and read a couple of quotes out of this and just kind of wanted to go in a little bit different direction um, as we and just want to spend a little time this morning talking about something that's being talked about in a lot of circles, right? In our, in our country and in our schools um, and in our churches. This idea of revival. A lot of us have prayed for revival for years um, did anybody here grow up going to revival services in a church meeting? If you grew up going to revivals, there it is. Was it in the month of August for anybody else, or was that just me? Okay, well, we're closer to the Lord than everybody else, but it's okay. Like, they're catching up, but we had revival and homecoming a lot of times, kind of in the same month, did a lot of that. But um, my family, I always remember, took a trip when I was in seventh grade. It was like a Griswold trip um, out west. We saw pretty much the Griswold trip, minus Wally World. We went to uh, the Hoover Dam and the Grand Canyon, even stopped in Vegas, but on our way back, my dad, still the custodian that the church I grew up in, we went and he went to pick up his paycheck and revival services were going on. And I always remember, we pulled in the parking lot and you could hear the music from inside the sanctuary. You could hear it from inside the stained glass windows. And the windows were down in the truck because it was August in Georgia, you know, nice and warm. And for the first time in my life, me and my sister were in the back seat and had this conversation of, I mean, I wish I was in there. You ever had that? Like where you, just, you can almost sense something's going on. I just wish I was inside those walls. One of my favorite things about my house, and I have a lot of favorite things about my house, but is that there's a few pine trees, even though they're building a lot of houses. You might notice they're building some houses in Morgan County, right? There's houses going up everywhere, but we still have a lot of pine trees, and it's one of my favorite things to hear, wind blowing through the pines. Anybody else heard that sound before? Just that smooth, sweet sound of wind going through the pine trees. It reminds me of my grandparents' house and just sitting there and just being in the midst of that. I love it. I've been convicted a lot this week. One, of just how I spend my own time, just as a man, as a dad, as a father. There are a lot of times where I neglect, and I know we can't all just be 
like hippies and move to the beach. If you are a hippie at the beach, I'm not, there's no judgment there, but I'm just, that's just what came to my mind. But we can't all just like kick back and not work. Like we have to work and provide and do productive things. But if I can be honest in front of you today, there are times in my life where I neglect to be still and acknowledge what is happening right in front of me. The wind's always blowing through the pines. I just don't always stop to listen. When it comes to my spiritual life, it's also very true. A lot of similarities in that. As a spiritual person, as a man who's known the Lord for a long time, and even as a guy who gets to work in the church, there have been times in my life where I have neglected acknowledging the movement of the Holy Spirit because I'm busy doing other things. So I want us for just a few moments today to acknowledge the movement of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says it's like the wind. It goes where it wants. Can't stop it. Don't know where it's going, where it's coming from. It just continues to move. Asbury College in Kentucky has experienced what are many have called an absolute revival breaking out on that campus. And it's spread to all these other college campuses, Lee University, uh, Samford in Birmingham, even Texas A&M. I heard at their chapel services, right? College students around the country are just experiencing a movement of God. A guy named Jonathan Edwards was a pastor and a preacher in the first great awakening in the United States, right? This is like 1700s. We're going back a few years. When one of the great awakenings was taking place, some people in some churches were asking the question of, like, how do you know if a revival is really a revival or is it just maybe some emotional movement or are people kind of jumping onto something? And he wrote this long, almost like a dissertation on it. And I'll share it on the, online or on Facebook later, but it's called Mark's of a work of the Spirit of God. And he actually came up with four. These are very brief. Four, almost like a rubric that he used to look at anything when a revival was breaking out. Because in this, his day, when revival was breaking out, it was actually breaking out in the Ivy League schools at Princeton and Yale and at Harvard. I mean, he actually got the chance to preach at Harvard. And this is wild. Like I started reading some of this I'm not the best reader to finish things, but I, I start them well. You know what I mean? Those first few chapters, I'm on it. So in the first few chapters, he talks about Harvard University. And this is wild to me because he wrote this in like 1780s that he was concerned at the liberal theology that had entered into Harvard Yard. And he was concerned with the future of the school. And that was in the 1700s. But he wrote... These four things that he uses as a rubric to look at anything to determine whether or not he truly believes to survive the Lord. He says, first, an enhanced glory for Jesus. Are people giving an enhanced glory for Jesus? Is Jesus being magnified? Is he being lifted up? Two, is there damage to the interest of Satan? Is Satan being harmed or negatively afflicted because of what is taking place? Three, a people's greater regard for the Bible. Anytime revival breaks out, if they're sticking true to God's word and preaching God's word and focusing on God's word. And four, he said, their greater love for God and neighbor. So I enjoyed those and I'm using some of those. Today, I just want to talk about just two things that have on my heart when I've looked at this. And some of them came, again, out of the first one or two chapters. If this book goes a different direction in chapter four, I can't vouch for it because I am currently right there. You know what I'm saying? Like that's as far as I got. I opened it up. I was like, this is going to be great. I wrote some quotes down, but they might be horrible afterwards. But anyway, don't quote me on it. But out of those first few chapters, I talked to a friend of ours who actually goes to church here who attended Asbury in the 90s and had a great conversation with her. And 
she told me that at that college campus, even when she was there in the 90s, and her friend is like vice president of student affairs or something crazy right now, but she said prayer is an active part of their daily lives. As a faculty and as a student body, they pray. So she's asked some of her friends that are on faculty there now and some of the friends that are leading students now, and they've seen revival break out. And she used a neat word. She said it's almost like the Holy Spirit has muscle memory. She said, I don't know if that's theologically accurate, but it's almost like the Holy Spirit continues to reveal himself in places where he is known well. And so it's like the third or fourth revival that's broken out there. But I asked her just after first service, is it true, because I'm quoting it in some book that I found on my bookshelf last week, that people are praying often. And she said, Danny, they're praying all the time, so much so that a lot of the faculty at Asbury isn't actually surprised that revival has broken out because they've been asking for it for years in the 1970 revival a daughter of Colombian missionaries Janine Braben was quoted as saying this the Holy Spirit impressed on me to pray to pray every hour So I made three by five index cards for every hour of the day, and I set aside each day of the week time to pray over each index card. It took me two months to organize it, but it became a lifelong habit. She went on to say, when she arrived on the college campus in 1967 as a freshman at Asbury, God put it on her heart to specifically pray for revival on that college campus the beginning of her junior year she said she went to the registrar's office and got a list of the entire student body and put the list of every student in a three-ring binder and she would carry it with her everywhere she went then i'll read this quote on page eight here it says hour by hour my soul was drawn out in prayer at times it seemed like a life and death struggle at other times it was like a confrontation with the fury of hell Not an hour passed, but what I felt the Spirit interceding. Even in my sleep, I found my soul crying out to God. Even though I was in college studying to get an education, the highest priority in my life was to know God and to make Him known. I knew we needed God to step into our midst in supernatural ways. Only an outpouring of the Holy Spirit would make this possible. So this woman committed herself to praying all the time for those around her. She said in 1968, she posted a sign outside of their chapel service, and it simply said, come apart and pray. And students began to show up about 30 minutes before chapel service broke out. Until October of 1969, she felt personally led to pray in the chapel for a longer period of time, and a lot of students showed up and prayed all night long for the chapel service the next day. A friend of mine whose name is Olalekan Oyapero. His middle name has four O's in it too. I'm not making that up. It's a lot of O's. He's from Lagos, Nigeria, probably there right now, married to a wonderful lady, just doing phenomenal things. We call him Lekan. Lekan was present when I went on a mission trip, a road trip mission trip with a freshman in college whose name was Shante that I really wanted to date at the time. It worked out really well. But Lake Khan was also there that weekend. And he was the first person I ever pray, saw pray all night long. We stayed up because we were college kids. When you're in your early 20s, you got a little bit more time. You don't think you do at the time, but you do. You got a little more time on your hands to play guitar 
and dwell in the goodness of God. All right, I'm not knocking it. I think it's a gift from the Lord. Also a reason that revivals tend to break out with younger people who don't have too many things on their schedules to inhibit the Spirit of God from moving like he can move in people's lives that aren't inhibited by so many schedules. But Lacan and I stayed up late and we read scripture and he said, Danny, I need to pray. And he went to a corner of the gym and he got on his face, like he got on his face. He started praying and I went to bed. And I woke up the next morning and he was still over there. I'm not going to lie. I thought in that moment, he probably fell asleep. I should go wake him up. But as I got closer, I could hear him weeping as he continued to pray. Something happens when the people of God pray. Your life will be better. Save $28 on the newest book that comes out. Will be better if you pray more. Your relationships will be enhanced if you spend more time talking to the Lord about whatever situation you're going through than you do other people about whatever situation you're going through. We need to talk to other people. We need to have relationships, but we first need to bring our concerns before the Lord. What did they pray for the night in October in Asbury when it lasted all night long? She said they, need, they pray for two things specifically. One, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the need for repentance. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus says this, and Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We serve a creative God, don't we? Isn't it wild? Stop and look at the things that are going around us and think, who, who came up with that? That's just phenomenal. I think as people, even as church people sometimes, we get distracted by thinking we need certain things to happen in order for certain things to happen. As a pastor of a church, there are times when I get distracted and begin to think things like, and don't get me wrong, we need some more chairs. I get it. Like we are working adamantly towards that. But to know that the Lord says first, when we ask him for help with handling the harvest that's before us, that we are to go before him and pray and ask him to send the workers, the laborers into his own harvest because it's all his. First Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul writes that we are to pray without ceasing pray without ceasing what does that mean if you've been a christian for 12 minutes or 80 years i believe we could spend more time praying if you prayed for 30 seconds in the last six months or you spent four hours praying yesterday i believe according to scripture and the movement of the holy spirit that we are to pray more pray without ceasing there are times when people call me and i'm driving down i-20 doing the speed limit, and as I am, people might ask, would you pray with me? I want you to know, in that moment, I'm not going to close my eyes and fold my hands. I'm doing 80. You know what I'm saying? We're not doing that. You don't have to do that in Scripture. It doesn't say anywhere. You got to do that stuff to pray. Sometimes it helps us to focus to do that, but to know that we are called to pray all the time. Like Johnny said during the communion thought, to be in communion with the Lord, to be in relationship with Him. To spend more time in prayer. One of my favorite 
videos, and I, I did this a couple weeks ago. I'm doing it again today, actually, about this topic of prayers by another preacher, same guy that wrote the book named Francis Chan. It's good, y'all. I know it's a little bit long, but I really enjoy it. I just want to share it with you this morning. It's about him having an encounter with two Jehovah's Witnesses that come to his door, and, and he just unpacks that a little bit, which is fun, but he comes back to this idea that we are called to pray, all right? So let's watch this one, and then we'll pick back up. I, uh, some of you have heard, I, I, sh- I shared the story a little while ago how just a few months ago I was working in my front yard fixing some things and some Jehovah's Witnesses come by and they say, hey, can we talk to you? And I'm fixing this and I go, of course. How can I, yeah, I, I got some things to say to you too. You know, let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk. No, seriously, because I, I just think here's some human beings. I, I need to love on them. They're trying to love on me and and so they start sharing some things, and I just said, hey, can I tell you, can I, I just tell you a couple things that God's done in my life recently? Just, just a couple things. I mean, this will blow your mind. Let me just tell you about some answers to prayer that just happened like last week. And this lady goes, you know, God doesn't listen to everyone's prayers. And I said, you know what? Actually, biblically, you're right on. I go, James 1 says that if we doubt, he's not going to listen to us. James 4 says, if, if we ask with the wrong motives, he's not going to listen to us. 1 Peter 3 says, if I don't honor my wife, man, my, my prayers are going to be hindered. He, he says in Isaiah 58, if I don't care for the poor, it doesn't mean if I fast and pray, he's not listening. Yeah, I go in Amos, he says, ah, oh, I don't even want to hear the noise of your songs. You know, I'm not going to listen to that. He says, if my people would humble themselves, you know, and, and turn from their wicked ways. I mean, there's conditions says you're absolutely right he does not listen to every prayer but he listens to mine and I and I said and I I tell this one story of this thing that happened and she's like wow I go explain that why does he listen to me you know and 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 she goes let's get out of here and so her and her friends start walking away I go actually if you don't mind, I'd like to walk with you because I have some more stories. And uh, because I didn't want them to just walk away. I want them to know, I just want people to know this Jesus because there's nothing like answered prayer. There's nothing like, no way. I just spoke to God and he listened to me. I mean, that's my favorite thing on earth. When I ask for something, I go, shut up. God just listen to me and look what he did you can't explain this away and so I'm telling them these stories as I'm walking with them man I went like a block and a half just telling them and and one of them looks at me she goes she goes what are you because you one of them Pentecostals (laughs) and I go don't worry about it I, I go here's all you need to know about me I'm a human being just like you and I get alone with that book. I get alone with the Bible and I just read it and, and, and I see stuff I'm supposed to do and I do it and I, and I pray to that God in that Bible, that Jesus who died on that cross for me. And, and I, just, I, I just read that and I pray to him and he listens to me and he's changed me and, and everything he's done in my life, I, it just blows my mind. And she goes, that's your problem. That was literally what she goes, that's your problem. She goes, you read that book by yourself. 
She goes, you can't understand that book unless one of our leaders explains it to you. And I said, see, that's your problem. No, I said, you're putting all of your trust in someone else. I go, do you understand this is about your eternity? This is about heaven and hell. And you are putting all your trust in what someone else tells you. And, and you understand, man, I think we, some of us in the room do this. Some of the things we believe and do and hold so dear is not because we found it in this book. It's just because someone told us, and I'm, and I'm not saying that we don't listen to people who know more than we do. Man, I, I think there's a time to listen, um, but, but at the same time, you know, I, I see a, a lot of believers just grabbing on and listening to someone because they're a popular speaker, or listening to someone because he's a good singer, someone appears really intelligent, you know, quotes some Greek words that you don't know any better, you're like, okay, I guess, and you just start listening, and you just follow these supposed scholars. And, and, and just like I told those ladies, I go, look, you would never come up with some of these conclusions if you just read this book over and over again. You, I mean, right now, you guys believe that Michael and Jesus are the same person. You really would have got that from the Bible? You only believe that because someone told you. If you put this verse over here, isn't that kind of the same? Yeah, I, I go, man, just read it for yourself. Just read it for yourself. When we're talking about prayer, you know, I, I just want to read this to you. It's not on the screen. This is, this, I'm going to read that next. So if you're in Matthew 6, hold it there. In Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. All right, Jesus was present when this took place. In Isaiah 6, 1, Isaiah says, It was in the year that King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke, filled with smoke. Then I said, this is Isaiah's response, it's over. Those are his exact words. It's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Like, I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe that God wants us to come before him when we pray. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with little kids singing fun songs about like which song's going to be sung at the table, like God is great, God is good. or one of the, I think those are cute and those are wonderful. But y'all, I want us to do more than that as adults in the Christian world. I want our prayer time to be more, more deeper, <laughs> more deeply, more, I want it to be deeper than just one little prayer over a meal. And there's nothing wrong with praying for a meal. Those are my favorite times of the day sometimes to hear my kids pray to the Lord. But to remember that when we pray, we are praying to the one. If we actually believe the Bible that is currently surrounded by angels who are shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In the 90s, there was a hoodie and it said, Jesus is my homeboy. Did anybody ever have one of those? I didn't because... 
I just saw him and judged him. No, but I thought, like, that was cool, but I didn't really judge him. But, but I, I like that idea, That's this idea that Jesus is our friend. It's biblical. Jesus calls us his friends. We are called the sons and the daughters of God. But y'all, he's also God who is seated on his seat on his throne. And I've been convicted once again to say that this week of how little time I am spending in prayer talking to him. He wants us to talk to him. And sometimes I say at the end of the day, this is Danny, I'm not preaching to anybody else. Lord, I didn't have time today. Who am I to make up an excuse as to why the creator of the universe who is worthy of the praise of billions of angels and is willing to take time out of his schedule to listen to my prayers. And yet I say things oftentimes like I don't have time to pray today, maybe tomorrow. But I have time to talk to somebody else about something that's going on. I don't have time to take it before the Lord or to say things out loud with my mouth. Lord, send revival. God, send revival. Let it happen. Let it happen. And all the while, maybe the Holy Spirit's leading me and all of us to say, get on your face and pray for it. Get on your face and pray for it. Well, Lord, that would look really silly. I'm glad Jesus didn't think things look really silly. You know what I mean? Wouldn't we be in a lot worse shape if Jesus at some point would have gone, whew, that's silly. I'm not going to do that. I created this thing, but Jesus didn't do that. And yet there are times in my life where I have felt as if I knew more than God when he was calling me to get on my knees and pray. If you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, let this wash right over you for right now. If you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants to know you more tomorrow than he does today. He wants to be in deeper relationship and communion with you tomorrow than he is with you right now. He wants to talk to you about what's going on in your life. Are we willing to talk to him? I come from, I'm married into a family that believes in the power of prayer that has done wild things. I shared this first service. They might be in your second service. I'm not going to look around, but my mother-in-law found out one day. This is, we have hundreds of stories like this. This is a gospel truth. One day I was talking to her, I've been married for about a year and we we're still getting to know each other. I mean, not me and my wife. We knew each other pretty well, but me and my mother-in-law and everybody. And she was like, Danny, so this might sound kind of different. We were just talking. And she said, this is one day. Do you remember where you were? It went something like this. She could probably tell it better. Do you remember where you were? Like, I don't know. 1991, <laughs> I was like, in the summertime. I didn't know naturally where I was 30 years ago. But we started describing a moment. Just me and my mother-in-law at my grandmother's, my wife's grandmother's house on the front porch in the swings. And she said, I know this sounds kind of crazy, Danny, but there was a day, I remember it like it was yesterday, that I was washing dishes in my house. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, you need to pray for Shante's husband. And she said, Shante's five, Lord. Like, oh, she doesn't have a husband. What's going on? And she said, pray for him now. And we end up calculating kind of close to it. Y'all, you ever had as a kid, like one of the hardest days of your life as a kid? It was one of those days, I'm pretty sure. And I found out 30 years later that my mother-in-law was praying over me in the floor of her kitchen because the Lord told her to. For my strength, for my peace, for the Lord's hands to be around me. We believe in wild stuff, church. We have prayed. Some of y'all have been there. Like, we have prayed at this altar and said, Lord, 
Nothing short of a miracle. And what happens? Miracle after miracle after miracle. Are we spending enough time on our knees in prayer? Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for the nation. Pray for the church. Pray for the people you can't stand. Pray for them. You don't need me or anybody else to talk to the Lord. When Jesus breathed his last on the cross, he said three words. To tell us die, right? We got the bracelets. It's cool. It says it is finished. In that moment, the temple veil tore from top to bottom. Up until that moment in Jewish history, there was a serious divide between where you and I can go and where the fancy folks could go. And in that moment, Jesus said, no more, right? He said, for the rest of eternity, somebody wants to get to me, they just open their mouth and they pray in my name and they will have full access to my Father who's on the throne. And yet some of us are wasting opportunities to do that. My spiritual life will be better when I spend more time in prayer. And so will yours. If we want revival to come across our land, I believe it's here. I believe we're so close to so many things, but I believe it's the fruit of the prayers of many who have been on their knees lifting up the names of other people for generations. Pray to the Lord. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verses 5 to 15. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners. And in the synagogues that they may be seen by others, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your bill be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive those and the trespasses of others, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. How did the revival in 1970 break out in Asbury? It broke out in prayer because of prayer. I talked to our friend who was here first service and she said since then people have been praying at that campus for revival to come again. That's a long time, right? 1970. Some of y'all were there, right? It was a good time. Like been praying since then for revival to break out. Are we praying to the Lord and asking for his Spirit to be made known. Prayer is one. And the second is a confession of sins. I read this quote in this, this random book from a bookshelf here. I'm going to read it to you. And we're going to wrap up. This same lady, Janine, said she remembers well what happened the night when the 1970 chapel service started. She says, quote, A sigh of relief surged from the students when the dean announced that he was only giving a short story that evening. Then he said, I feel, like, I feel led to open this time for testimony. Almost immediately, across the middle section of the sophomores and over in the senior section, a man named Larry Sutherland stood up and loudly spoke out, quote, I want to confess. I've been a hypocrite, but recently God got a hold of me and I'm a new person. I love Jesus. I've turned my life over to him. It's real. I'm a different person. I'm not believing that I'm standing here telling you what God has done for me. I've wasted my time in college up until now, but Christ has met me and I'm different 
Last night, the Holy Spirit flooded in and filled my life. Now, for the first time ever, I am excited about being a Christian. I wouldn't go back to the emptiness of yesterday for anything. In my mind, when I read the scripture, when I see stories of other revivals that have taken place, I truly believe it begins with praying before the Lord and it is enhanced when people begin to confess their sins. I watched some of the service of the Asbury Revival just a few weeks ago when it broke out and I watched a cool interview with the guy who was preaching that day and he said in his own words, it was not a good sermon. He said, it was bad. It was bad. He said, I sat down. I was like, that one wasn't my best. But it wasn't about the sermon. It was about what happened right after that because after this guy's sermon, same thing happened. One student stood up and said, I must confess and began to confess their sins publicly, which is wildly awkward in front of other people. Another fascinating thing, I didn't know that the same lady that when she walked out first service, she said that they've been listening, the other professors who were there, and I guess it's okay to share because they're not watching our live stream, but knowing that when the student, they said the professors have been listening to this Generation Z, right? Like the student body that's there now. So the two most significant confessions that they're hearing over and over again are asking for repentance for their anxiety and repentance for pornography. Like those are the two strongholds that are taking hold of the, of the generation. And over and over again, people are just confessing their sins to the Lord. Again, if you're a non-believer, I, I, we, I, I have some things. I want to share it. I want you to know it. this message here is for the believers that are hearing these words right now. When was the last time you confessed your sins to the Lord? Confess your sins. It's in the Lord's prayer. We pray through that. God wants us to confess our sins to him, to repent of our sins, to ask him for forgiveness. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need. Because of what Christ has done, we can draw near with confidence to his throne. The devil, if you are a Christian, if you're a non-Christian, he wants you to believe this too. If you're a Christian, the devil wants you right now, I truly believe, to think that God is tired of forgiving you, he has run out of mercy, and he's ready for you to grow up already. All that to say, I've never read that anywhere in the text. The God I serve continues to be like a loving heavenly father and continues to say, come back to me again. I will forgive you again. My grace is sufficient. It will never run out. The blood of Christ is more. And yet some of us have gone too long without repenting of sins. Could it be, like Francis Chan said earlier, in some of our lives, our prayer life is being hindered, our marriage life is being hindered, our relationship with our children is being hindered, our relationship with the Lord is being hindered because we have unconfessed sins that we are unwilling to acknowledge before the Lord. Two things about that. One, he already knows all the sins that we have committed. He's waiting on us to bring those before him. And two, he will Never say no to you when you ask for forgiveness. James 5.16, James takes this step further. He says, therefore, confess your sins one to another. Awkward and pray for one another. That you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We can go before the Lord at any time, day or night, regardless of where we are. 
The altar is directly in our hearts. Like you can go before him. I encourage you and ask you today as your pastor, as your friend and brother in Christ to confess your sins to the Lord. It is time to repent. Lay them down. And if you are willing, do what the scripture also says and find a, not hundreds, a brother or a sister, right? In the faith, someone that you trust, someone that's not going to see you coming and go, daggum, you stinking sinner. Can't believe you did that. But be willing to say, brother, let's get on our knees right now and pray for one another. As Christians, we need to have women. You need to have other women in your life that you can call at any moment and say, I have sinned. Hear this. That's what a Christian community is for. To say, I need someone else to hear my confession and just pray with me. God will forgive us when we confess it to him. That's not for the forgiveness. But to be able to walk with us, men, it's the same. To have one or two guys that we can call up or text at any point, day or night, and say, brother, I got to talk to you, man. I am going down a road. I am getting distracted. I am going somewhere I don't want to go. That is willing to say, it's time for you to man up and turn around, but also willing to say, yeah, that's wrong. You can't keep going down that road. I think in our modern culture, most of us don't want anyone else to ever tell us that we're doing anything wrong. There's a difference between conviction from the Lord and guilt from other people. Some of us think we're feeling guilty, but maybe it's just the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling you it's time to lay it down. Jesus already took it to the cross. In Luke 18, verses 9 to 14, Jesus tells this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were already righteous and treated others with contempt. Jesus said two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, listen to this prayer, this is wild. I thank you that I'm not like other men. And then he names them, extortioners, the unjust, adulterers, and then he gets personal or even like this tax collector here who's standing nearby. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. The tax collector standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man, talking about the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Church, we've got to ask ourselves a simple question. Are we confessing our sins to God? Revival is breaking out all around the world. In Uganda, they're having church services with hundreds of thousands of people. In Israel, they're having church service. In places that have been lost, lost for decades, like Germany and France, they're having revival services break out. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. But can I tell you this? If I believe it, He's moving because people are confessing and repenting of their sins and calling out to him. The best place for me to start in my prayer life to the Lord is to confess my sins before I confess the sins of other people. Now hear me and I'm almost, there are people that I pray for every day and there are others and I'm watching y'all the sins that are hurting them and separating them from God and just the hurt and we lift those things up to the Lord but I have to start by thanking the Lord for dying for my sins, humbling myself to make sure I'm talking more about my sins than the sins of other people. So I ask us, church, are we willing to do those two things today, to spend time in prayer? 
and to confess our sins to God, maybe even to one another. I heard a pastor say one time, some of the most powerful words a Christian can say to another Christian is, hey, I've never shared this with anybody before. But, and then lay out what's going on in your life. Because when we do, revival continues to come. Let's pray. Lord, today, we come before you as your children. And we thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord. God, I pray that you would remind all of us this week, today, right now, that you want to know us more. You hear the prayers of your children. Lord, I pray for myself and for everyone hearing these words right now. May we spend more time next week in prayer with you than we did last week. God, give us a yearning in our hearts to know more about your goodness. To share a life story with you. What scripture says for anyone that does not believe. You hear all the prayers, Lord. If you hear the prayer of someone today for the first time that simply says, Lord, I believe in what Christ has done. I encourage you, if you want to know more about becoming a Christian, having a relationship with the Lord, it starts with you talking to him. You don't need a preacher or a person. You don't need anybody other than the cross. Jesus did on the cross for you in the empty grave. Scripture says, if we confess our sins, confess Christ as Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. If you do not have a relationship with the Lord, let today be the day, right now be the time that you start that relationship. And if you're willing, share that with someone else before you leave. Lord, for all of us, we are thankful that you hear our prayers of confession. I'm thankful I don't need a confession booth, you know, with a priest or anything. I can just come right to you, Lord. But God, you know there have been times in my life where I have un repented sins. I have not confessed things to you. And it has had an effect on every other area of my life. If there is anyone hearing these words right now, Lord, that has not confessed something to you in this moment, I do pray that the Holy Spirit convicts them. Lord, remind us that when Christ died on the cross, he died for that sin. He took it to the grave and he left it there. May we trust in who you are and what you've done. If there's anyone in our congregation that needs to talk, Lord, to another brother or sister in the faith about something they're struggling with, may we as a body of believers love one another well as we commit to walking through this life together, trying to become more like Christ every day. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for revival. The kingdom is growing every day. More people are hearing the good news of Christ and more are turning from their sins and believing. For such a time as this, Lord, we are grateful. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name.